we're taking a red rocket to the sideshow and the Adam Project's turning us red. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Off Screen. Guess who's back after a couple of weeks? We're back. Yes, I have missed you all, but I am back in the hot seat. Um, and it's been Welcome a back. Bex. I, how you. how was it? You 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 got crowned the the queen of NFTs, I believe. Did you see the Batman? I did catch the Batman upon my return, and I loved it. It was bleak. It was brooding. And how good was Robert Pattinson as Batman? I thought it was brilliant. He he was so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna crib a line from a cracked article now and say he was so good as Batman that he didn't even need to bother playing Bruce Wayne, which was which well, was he, good, which was convenient. He didn't. Yeah, fair. It was few and far between when he actually was Bruce Wayne, and I really uh, really liked it. I like the emo I, I love Bruce the- Wayne. <laughs> It is, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think it's because it's so emo, because it leans so hard. You're like, do you know what? I'm going to give you this. This is like when Tim Burton did it. It's like, you can't you can't commit to these things sort of half-heartedly. You've got to go all in. This is where Zack Snyder fell down for me. You just lean in on how stupid all of this is, please. And they, they kind of do. They just lean in on the fact that it's just like a tormented 15-year-old boy's version of Batman. And yeah, I, I yeah. had a great time with it. Loved it. Please make it into a trilogy for me. I, I, I'll, I'll have merrily sit and watch two more. But let's talk about our first movie this week that I don't think either of us will ever want a sequel for. I think it's fair to say. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is Sideshow. It is written and directed by Adam Oldroyd. It stars uh, April Pearson from the first two seasons of Skins, allegedly. I don't know. I've never watched it. It's more your thing than mine, Bex. Um, Anthony Head formerly Anthony Stewart head of Buffy fame and uh, was it Manchild I think he started for the BBC and Ted Lasso alum now as well of course mm. and none other than esteemed British thespian royalty Les Dennis uh, <laughs> Bex um, oh uh, my goodness okay Bex, so let me let, let me let me give you guys a bit of an insight to this so I do think that they thought this was going to be funnier than it ever was. But um, basically, Les Dennis plays a very terrible clairvoyant, a, a fake clairvoyant who has ruined his his shows over over time and is losing opportunities to perform in in, in places. He's got less and less performance opportunities. And and Anthony Head, who is um, essentially his like his agent? manager, mm. yeah, his agent, his manager, is kind of losing the will to live with him. Now, one of his shows, um, this girl who has a bit of a vendetta against this fake clairvoyant, decides that she's going to get her revenge. And revenge she kind of gets, and that is the movie. There's three rules if you want to get through this without getting caught, okay? One, no names. You should just... For Christ's sake, John, stop interrupting me! Two, never take the mask off. Evening. I don't suppose I should ask what the third one is. Hmm? Three, don't lose your Tell me. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! I gather you have some score to settle with the all-seeing stupendo. Help! Help! Oh. I never met no one famous before. Smile, blood. What the hell is this? It's on bloody Facebook! I wanted my nan to see it. This, this is like the worst kind of slapstick, you know, that you will have seen. Oh my god, it's like gut-wrenchingly painful. It's only like an hour and 20 minutes or something, but by god, it literally does spend the majority of its time like in this um in this room in which, you know, she's kidnapped Les Dennis's character and is holding him hostage and it, it it's a terrible film. Sorry, it it, it just... really is, isn't it? it, it and the, the ending is worse. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, there's big swings for an ending. And then there is this demonstrable show. Oh, good Lord. I mean, it's telling. I mean, I I feel for Anthony Head in this because you do feel like most of the budget presumably went on the two days of shooting that Anthony Head will have done on this. (laughs) The rest of it is just... Oh my God! This is like Danny Dyer level. Like this is like cast. Danny Dyer would have turned this down, to be honest. With you. This would have been beneath Danny Dyer. It's called Sideshow. Um, it's not very funny. It's not very clever. And oh, just dear Lord, just just avoid it. It's in cinemas from today. I think it's uh, I think it's on on on, dim, on digital on demand in like a week's time. Um, but I, I assure you, there will be no demand. 
sports. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk then about something that's coming to streaming today, coming to Netflix today. This, I cannot believe, is a streaming movie. It's called The Adam Project. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, and Jen- oh, Jennifer Garner and Catherine Keener as well. Oh, and Zoe Saldana. I keep forgetting cast members. So many good ones in there. And it is directed by Sean Levy, who most recently gave us Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. And this is almost the same scale of movie. This is like a sort of lightning in a bottle attempt um, at a sort of 80s family-friendly Amblin-esque, last starfighter, Mac and me style, back to the future, time travel jaunt, mixed with a bit of Bruce Willis as the kid and vice versa, if you can imagine such a thing. So Ryan Reynolds is a hotshot pilot with a lot of arrogance, rather like Green Lantern. And he opens a portal and finds himself crashed on Earth and and, and potentially fatally wounded, like that pilot at the beginning of Green Lantern. And uh, he finds that he's in the past and he knows where he lives, so he goes to, to his old house, like patch himself up, winds up befriending his former self, his younger self, and sort of befriends him on a time-travelling jaunt where he has to sort of use their shared lineage and parentage and DNA, etc. I'm not kidding, to basically Terminator to the hell out of time travel to stop it all from ever existing. In this enormous enclosed uh, reactor-type structure that looks exactly like the one from Green Lantern, except this movie's mm. really, really good. I told you to stay in the garage. Let some creepy dude just wander around my house alone? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, believe me, I don't want to be here any more than you want me here. I just gotta stop bleeding long enough. Address the wound, prevent a nasty infection, and I will be on my merry way. Don't touch that. I was just looking. Don't touch my stuff. Is this a lightsaber? No, it's not a lightsaber. Enough with the bat. If I wanted to hurt you, I'd have done it already, because if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, you have a very punchable face. So this has got bags of heart. And as you can hear from the clip, you know, Ryan Reynolds is really only playing Ryan Reynolds, but it is a bit more like the Green Lantern version of Ryan Reynolds, a little bit more arrogant than usual. And But that is part of the character. And it is built into the idea is you've got an arrogant child and an ar- arrogant older version, and the idea is that they sort of soften each other. And I, I really like that. Mark Ruffalo, exceptionally well cast, in perfect fantasy dad mode, as as dad to both the kid, whose name escapes me, I'm going to have to look it up on the tablet in a second, um, and Ryan Reynolds. So there's great scenes where you've got Deadpool and the Hulk as father and son, which is just hilarious. Um, some absolutely heartbreaking stuff in that. I was in tears twice. And oh, really? I'm not even kidding. This genuinely is uh, like lightning in a bottle, Amblin stuff. I really, really loved this. I, you know I, what? I, 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 I saw quite. You know what? I saw quite a lot of marketing around this, and it's hmm. definitely piqued my interest for that because I think you know when is he not? But Ryan Reynolds is on quite a roll, and he can kind of you know bring that Deadpool humor, but also hmm. he he's really good with the whole emotive stuff as well, and. You know, the fact that this is kind of pulling on those heartstrings as well as kind of giving you the entertainment that you want sounds like a really mm. good, well-rounded movie. It is. It absolutely is. It's one of the... It's one of the in that way that... You know how Free Guy just had so much more actual... Sub, uh, so much more actual substance um, than, mm. than you expected, given how surface it appeared? This works more or less the same way. This feels like a great old-fashioned... This feels like recapturing that magic that Super 8 didn't quite for me. Oh, don't. That's my biggest disappointment, Super 8. Yeah. I've wanted it to be so much more than it ever was. <laughs> this will absolutely tick that box for you that you felt was was un, was underserved by, mm. by Super 8. Absolutely. Uh, you'll whoop, you'll cheer. There's loads of hell, yeah. It is absolute teenage boy, adolescent, ambling, uh, you know, <gasps> fantasy wish list stuff. You know, it's like, you know, what kid doesn't want to find out he's going to be Ryan Reynolds and find out he's going to have those abs, which I think is literally a thing the kid asks. And there's literally a moment in which it's like, you know, I think he's 10 or 12. Walter Scobell, by the way, is the name of the kid. And he, he does good Reynolds. He gives good Reynolds. I will say that, for, <laughs> but uh, not to the extent of feeling like a parody which is always the risk of any younger, older incarnation, as you know. Um, there's just some great gags in there. Like I say, teenage boy wish fulfillment. But even outside of that, just bags of heart and soul. The stuff mm. with Zoe Saldana in there that 
is really effective and quite efficiently written for the amount of time that it takes within the movie. I loved it. I thought this was a genuinely great movie, like a five-star on streaming for the whole family fantasy sci-fi adventure. Rock on. I thought this was great. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, I don't know about you, Van, but I'm seeing red uh, in this particular block that <laughs> we've got. <laughs> a lot of red. We've got two films that have the word red in them. And we're going to kick off with the first one, which is in cinemas uh, from today. It's rated 18 and it's called Red Rocket. And I know why it's rated 18, because I've seen it. It is, um, it is the story of kind of a washed up porn star who tried to make it big in Hollywood, failed, came back to Texas to, I say in inverted commas, make it big with his wife again, and or his ex-wife, and isn't really received in the nicest way from his family, is still trying to be the big I am, likes to eat donuts, so goes to his local donut store, meets a girl called Strawberry, they have a little bit of an, uh, an illicit affair, and he thinks she might be the next big thing when it comes to adult entertainment. Your mother hates me. Uh, well, I mean... She hated you, man. Uh, yeah, she died. Oh, damn. Sorry to hear that. Nah, man, it's good, man. I mean, it happened over a year ago. Bladder cancer. <laughs> mother <laughs> That sucks. Hey, we should hang out sometime. Take a spin in this bad boy. Uh, yeah, man. What are you even doing back here? Oh, it's a long story, but do you think you could take me downtown tomorrow? We could catch up? Yeah, dude, I would love to. I got nothing else to do. Hell yeah. Thanks, bro. Uh, hey, let's just get you some shoes on this. You're good to go. Yeah, man, I can't wait. All right. And welcome back, dude. Mikey, man. Ethan Darbone there, responding to the return of Mikey Saber, which is just a lazy-ass porn name, isn't it? So, <laughs> incidentally, did you recognise the lead Simon Rex in this movie? Did you no. happen to? No, I didn't. No. no. Um, I did. Am I supposed to have watched porn? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I couldn't quite place him. Uh, he just seemed so familiar throughout. I'm like, I know that dumbfounded face that he keeps pulling. Mm. And it's because he's in two of the scary movie sequels, three and five. He plays the Joaquin Phoenix character from Signs, if you remember. Oh! Yeah! Now you say it, the penny's Ex dropped. Exactly. Yeah, that's where everyone will know him from. I don't know where I know Ethan Darbone from. Uh, right, the reason this movie... Um, <laughs> The reason this movie will be very well received by, let us just say, certain more pompous outlets um, is because it comes from writer-director Sean Baker, who previously directed Tangerine and The Florida Project. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Both Snoozevilles. <laughs> both Snoozevilles. Yeah, I mean, Florida Project had, had that really great performance from a little girl whose name I forget, and Willem Dafoe being Willem Dafoe in the least creepy way that Lebon Buffo is ever going to be in a role that's associated with a motel in a Florida-based movie. But this is this just doesn't work. I, 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 there's nothing likeable about it. And it feels very... It feels phoned in. It feels slapped together. It feels kind of just hateful in a way. There is just something fundamentally negative about it. Do you get that feeling a bit like... Look, I haven't seen Licorice, Licorice Pizza, but it's mm. kind of there's that sort of, like, doesn't really go anywhere, doesn't really... Like, it plods along. I, I always... You know how I feel about certain movies with, with a really dull pace to them. It mm. just, you know, it doesn't have, like, a climactic ending. It doesn't really doesn't really give you anything or you just you're just observing and i haven't really got much time for movies like that this i'm just observing with the odd sort of fragments of him having sex with a minor in it i mean it's kind of like that's kind of how i view it actually first of all yes that is the best summation of licorice pizza i've ever heard by someone who hasn't seen it that's phenomenal well done um Thanks. <laughs> genuinely <laughs> Like, that's off to you. You, you missed Bradley Cooper's a pretty good John Peters, but other than that, you you, you got the review. Well done, Max. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I, there's something. There is something of that feeling about this. There is that feeling of 
Jesus, really, it, 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 we're just handing out positivity for who's directing these things rather than what they're directing now. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got the time for it. I didn't find anything particularly well done about this. I mean, it's a little bit, it's, it's over-directed for what it needs to be. It doesn't quite feel It's over-long for what it needs to be. That's another one as well. At two hours ten, you know what movie this wants to present itself Ugh. as. And I'm sorry, this continues prestige project poverty porn nonsense. <laughs> it doesn't fly anymore. I'm sorry, Sean. Yeah, keep keep with these gimmicks on your own time. Just stop bothering. Yeah, we got it. Your first time iPhone, second time kid, third time dong out in a trailer park. We get it. Okay, yeah. cool. You've got your gimmicks, buddy. We get it. The only the only plus point I will say on it is that I did like the actress who played Strawberry in it. I thought she she did her role very well. Susanna I think Sermon, was, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was very good. You know, she kind of plays that slight Lolita kind of character with it mm. in a way. She's obviously a lot... She is older than what I think you kind of initially think of and she's more experienced um it would seem than what you kind of expect at, at possibly the age she's portrayed at but mm. you know i think she plays it with conviction and she's the thing that stands out f- for me in this but you know it's standing out of a bad bunch really here's a here's one fundamental problem i'll be very quick because we're taking valuable time away from a much better movie um <laughs> so <laughs> a much better red movie um but i will say that for a come up and story for a story that you know from the second it starts has to ultimately result in a, in a very certain and very specific negative way. I will say that when it gets there, you do cathartically appreciate it, but for all the wrong reasons, mostly mm. because you have absolutely hated everything about the movie that you kind of like that it ends that way. So on that merit, it's a success in literally every other way. <laughs> no. So let's talk about uh, the, let's talk about the new animated Disney movie, which is a lot better. And incidentally, if we're talking about really, really strange, problematic things, this is the third Disney movie in a row to center around an Asian female character that has been dumped to streaming. So I'm just going to put that out out there up front because that irks me just a little bit. Because mm. mm-hmm. the last one they did this to. Was my was one of my very favorite movies of last year, and I have a very strong feeling that this is going to turn out to be one of my favorite movies of this year. So this mm. is getting a bit habitual now. Okay, so Turning Red is a new movie from I'm trying to remember the name here. Uh, Domi Shi. Domi Shi was the director of Bao. Do you remember Bao, the Pixar yes. short? Oh, yes. Oh, the short. Oh, yes. I loved Bao. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay, that director. Feature-length project. Sold. Okay, brilliant. You're sold, right? <laughs> and and you, wouldn't you believe it, there is a little cameo for, for the bow in there, if you're paying <gasps> attention. Anyway, oh, so... Don't um, it for me. <laughs> I was going to so front and centre. So it's about a 13-year-old girl um, named uh, uh, Malin Lee. And uh, she, she lives in Toronto in 2002. She is... I think she's 13 years old and she has, shall we just say, a slight hormonal outburst out of the blue one day in which she transforms in a poof of pink smoke into a giant red feral emotion-fueled panda. So what you've effectively got is the Hulk for little girls set in Toronto 2002. If you can guess what the metaphor is that they're playing here, because this is not subtle in any way, and hats off to them. Chills, constipation. No. Wait, is it that? Did the did the red peony bloom? No. Maybe. <sighs> did you get it, Max? She's getting her first period or something. Exactly. Yeah. Now, there we go. The sorry, movie... right? Sorry. You yeah, threw movie... me with the Hulk stuff. I was googling it. Oh no, because that is, it's played like a comedic Hulk thing, and I yeah. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, yeah. it is because superhero movies, superhero tropes are so inherently tied to puberty and teenage boys that, oh my God, we're actually finally getting to do this with an animated girl. And yeah. I love that. Now, what they've done is rather than make it a superhero thing, they've tied it into uh, Chinese cultural law. 
you know, there, I think I forget the name of the specific Chinese god this is meant to be in, in reference to, but there is a whole mythology that's that's used to explain this, and it's like a fam, it's, it's a family trope. Um, I, I think this is absolutely fantastic. I love this. I adore this. I think it's brilliant. I sat there, I was transfixed from minute one. It, it starts off with this great fourth wall breaking, almost Tom Holland, Peter Parker-like energy to it. It's sparky, it's zippy, it's got bags of heart. It's got a group of sidekick friends who are all color-coded like the emotions from inside out and all behave to those specific tropes as well, which is just a masterstroke of subtle genius in that one. Um, uh, you've got Sandra Oh as May's mum, which I adore. Oh, you've got great. James Hong, as the grandfather, I'm sorry. You just just put James Hong in a movie. Just just take my money. Just, just take my money. When you've cast mm. James Hong, just you've got my money. I don't care if it's Kung Fu Panda Nine. You can just have my money if James Hong is back. That's the rule. Um, fantastic stuff. It is on Disney Plus from today. Um, I think the the analogy that it's going for the 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 period pubescent analogy that's going for. I think it works wonderfully in such a way that it's it's something that I think mums and older girls can you know obviously immediately relate to. There's mm. so many things. I'm going. Oh my god! I remember when that kind of happened. I it just feel like that. It has that feeling all the way through. I remember that awkwardness kind of thing going for mm. and obviously not something i have ever experienced but it's one of those like you like wow this must cut to the bone because they're being really full-on with this um and at the same time it's something the younger kids can watch and they're not going to spot that in the slightest they're just going to really enjoy it it's just a fun panda style hulk movie for kids loved it turning red on disney plus from today oh tater they all did just worth that subscription aren't they and now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. I do indeed. And guess what I'm paying the rent with <laughs> this week? I'll tell you what, it's down to our brilliant friends here at Storyblocks because I, I know you and I, Van, we are content creators and we spend a lot of time trying to keep up with this modern world of video and audio creation and staying on top of it, aren't we? We are. You know what always gets me, actually, every time? It's, it's always actually that I, I need a picture of a cinema of what I'm doing. It's like a news piece and I want to slot in. And it's hell for me just trying to find a, an image that I can legally use, if that's of any use. It's, it's near impossible I'm for me. Absolutely. A big bugbear for all of us. But if you are wanting to make it possible as a creator to keep up with that need and demand for modern video and bring your stories to life, without having to sacrifice things due to your time, your budget or mm -hmm. resources, look no further than Storyblocks because they are bringing you subscriptions for every budget. So you can literally choose a plan that really works for you. They've got lots of flexible subscriptions that really do scale and give you all those content and tools that you need to focus on when creating your content. And that's the thing you want to be focusing on is creating, not worrying about the budget side of things. They also give you an unlimited all access plan, which gives you no unlimited downloads of over a million assets in their library. So you were looking for that stock footage, you might be able to find the perfect fit with this. And again, you'll be able to spend less without sacrificing your quality. And the thing that I love the most about Storyblocks is the fact that they have diverse and inclusive content because you know what, stock footage, it's kind of been the same old, same old for a number of years. But what Storyblocks is doing is they're changing the face of stock footage with lots more diverse and inclusive content to help you guys as creators and us tell more unique and authentic stories. And they've got a massive commitment to increase representation in stock media by hiring, oh, hiring creators from marginalized uh, backgrounds and to, to make sure that everything is represented in the way that it should. So I really love Storyblocks. I've been lucky enough to try it out. I think it's fantastic. And and I think you guys should check them out as well. You can create your own free account and you can check out what's on offer just by visiting storyblocks.com and forward slash off screen. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we've given you your big screen offerings and now it's time to move on to the small screen and we have your seven day guide to seven movies that you can watch on your telly box and very much enjoy. Kicking off with a movie on today on Film 4 at 11.15pm tonight, which is, I think a lot of people loved this kind of horror, teen horror movie that is Cabin in the Woods. It stars Chris Hemsworth. I can't remember who else is in it. I just always remember Chris Hemsworth. It's a really clever post-scream, post-new like new genre of horror mm. 
movies that I think really, really works for us, for, for someone of our vintage who would have grown up and watched this at kind of our late teens. No, no, it would have been sort of mid 20s, actually, wouldn't it? We, when we would watch this. I feel like it was the kind of thing for me that when did Screen come out? Screen came out when I was 13. So I feel like it's the kind of movie I would have watched when I was about between 13 and 15 because that was the sort of wave of teen horror revivals uh, for me. Mm. So I imagine it would be about the same uh, for you as well. This, though, th- this is more of a, a subversion of previous horror types. So this kind of skips over the teen slasher genre and goes back into more early 80s, late 70s, early 80s kind of stuff, like Evil Dead and things like that. Structures yeah. itself, and this was also a sort of a, 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 a palate cleanser side project for Joss Whedon as he was sort of gearing up for Avengers, for the very first Avengers movie, because he's written this, he's co-written this with director Drew Goddard, I think, who of course then goes on to follow this up with uh, bad times at the El Royale, I think, in, in 2017. So this is this is 2011 at this point. So Chris Hemsworth is the big star here, even though he wasn't really a named commodity at the time. There's not really known actors in this. However, there are Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford um, in roles that we won't mm. even begin to talk about. This movie is not just teens go to a cabin in the woods and stuff happens. That's all we're going to say. We can't say much more than that. I will tell you, if you trust us and you turn over to... uh, When's it on? Film film 4 tonight at 11.15. Just trust us. Do this. Watch the movie. And you will never regret this. This is pro- this is like top three movies of that year. Like it was this drive and was it was it Lincoln Lawyer that year? Or was that two thousand nine? Yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, this was one of the like the top movies of twenty eleven. Like hands down, film four tonight, eleven fifteen. So on to Saturday, Bex. Do you do you fancy something a bit of a throwback, a bit retro? I do, but I'm in my I'm in the camp here. I'm in a minority camp here where mm. this is not my favourite Tarantino film, but it is for a lot of people. I get that. 9 p.m. on four. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, you've just shaken your head at me. In, like, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's anyone's favourite. Like, can't be anyone's so I've heard favourite. That. I've heard what? that it's a few people's favourite really? Tarantino film. I mean, you know, and I don't get it, but I, mm. like, there's one bit in it which I do love, which is the dog food scene. And I think that's pure Tarantino <laughs> filming. The rest of it, take it or leave it. I, I, I can understand where you're coming from, but that, with the scene you were talking about, by the way, just seems to be a thing that he does post inglorious yeah. B-word. Um, but I, I, I do put this in the echelon of some of the better Tarantino movies up there with not quite Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction level, but certainly as good as Jackie Brown at the very least. Um, it's effectively a hangout movie, isn't it? An anthology of yeah. seemingly unconnected yet tangentially connected uh, stories that you know are inevitably headed for some sort of fatal intersection. All star mm-hmm. cast of actors who you could identify entirely by their first names, interestingly enough. So you've got Brad, you've got Leo, you've got Kurt, you've got Al, you've got Margot, you've got Don, you've got, you know what I mean? Like These are all like, yeah. there's no other actors that you're like, well, I know who all of those people are just off yeah. their first days. Like, that's the sort of wonder of that one. I think a lot of fun. Uh, I, obviously, other opinions are available, as you demonstrate, Bex. Um, but mm. if you just want a 60s set, you know, hangout flick that'll just sedate you for a couple hours, let you bask in some some Tarantino enjoying himself goodness. If you want to just enjoy his revelry, here's Kurt. You know, I, I, I got to look after my dudes. Hey, hey and, and if your dudes were a better match for me, I'd say, oh, okay, you got me. But, but, but th- that's not the case, and you know it. He, he's a great match for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no. Hey, you could do anything you want to him. So, so throw him off a building, right? Light him on fire. Hit him with a Lincoln, right? Get creative. Do whatever you want. He's just he's happy for the opportunity. Rick? Yeah. I don't dig him. Well, there we go. I mean, you know, I think it sits a little bit in that similar pace issue that I have around, like, you know, the movies that we talked about before, like Red Rocket, and uh, mm. it's just it's just not my tempo. Oh, 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 <laughs> said by the good J.K. Simmons. This is a whole other echelon from Red Rocket. The Red Rocket's like oh, 100%, two hours but- ten. Yeah, Pace, yeah. pace wise, like just you, you, you said it yourself, you just kind of, you know, just lose yourself in it and just kind of sit yeah. back and just chill through it. I'm not really a sit back and chill through a movie kind of person. I want to be entertained. I That's think, what I want. <laughs> I think you could, you could surmise, you could, you could describe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as more of an experience than a movie. 
effectively, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I either way, find out for yourself, 9pm Saturday Night Channel 4. Um, one that took a few years to grow on me, meanwhile, uh, from 2001, a Michael Mann movie from 2001. Bear in mind, bear in mind I'm a huge Michael Mann guy. Uh, so this one taking a minute to grow on me, believe me, that kills me to admit. Um, it's R. Lee, 10pm Sunday nights on BBC2. Will Smith's first real stab at potentially getting an Oscar. He did get nominated for this, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to think that now, you know, given his nomination for King Richard, you know, that was kind of his, like, dress rehearsal for this. Um, (laughs) He's had a few since, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. But I think Ali was was a really good shot at it and there was a lot of hype and stuff. But, you know, to be be fair, I can't tell you that I remember a lot about this movie, obviously 2001, but I'm happy to revisit it. You know, it's one of the greats that you want to, you know, relive the life of and, and learn a bit more about. So if you don't know much about Muhammad Ali, you can watch a real powerhouse performance from Will Smith being serious um you know it's kind of post fresh prince and post bad boys and post everything and let's mm. make him into a serious actor and how i'm i'm all for it and he effortlessly effortlessly as uh, just slides into it he's fantastic mm. and he's a terrific ali again straddling that line between embodying everything that made the guy the guy in the performance without descending into that in, that impersonation quality um incidentally uh, see also we were talking about this off air earlier see also uh, amanda seyfried in the dropout mm. for, for a very good performance that or another one we were talking about um lily james in uh, pam and tommy, pam and tommy. In which they genuinely didn't need to put the incredible makeup on her because the performance is really good. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that is is the Lily James's mouth is very distinctive. So you could forget that you're not watching mm. that you're watching the Pamela sorry, you could think that you're just watching Pamela Anderson until yeah. there's certain things that Lily James does with her mouth. That's not like an innuendo or anything. <laughs> for me it's for me it's the nose. The nose always just doesn't look ah. quite right. Looks too too okay. too wider. Definitely put too wide a nose on it. Only because yeah, but it's I, great. Well, I I, I you know, my new TV is one of those Samsung ones that auto sets to the Baywatch channel when you switch it on. So it's yeah, it's that Samsung TV Plus thing. So I only know that it's that's like something to the you do because yeah. <laughs> I like it. It, it, it. It's quirky. Anyway, um, also every now and again, they get back to the Yasmin Bleeth era and I'm happy for five minutes. Anyway, uh, Monday night, 9pm on the Horror Channel. I'm going to be honest, there wasn't a great lot on, on Monday night. <laughs> so this was this was the best of a bad bunch. Um, Legion, you know I like Legion. Paul Bettany movie from 2009 in which uh, he is the angel who effectively has to pull a Terminator and protect the soon-to-be-born saviour of the human race, only instead of from cyborgs from the future, he has to protect them from the religious apocalypse, from Judgment Day itself. It's awesome. I mean, it's crap, but it's awesome crap. Um, <laughs> it's crap, but it's you know, awesome. Great. Yeah, it's crap, but it's awesome crap. You know, it's Tyrese and Dennis Quaid and Charles S. Dutton and Paul Bettany with Uzis trying to take out demons and hellhounds. Just absolutely my kind of bassist nonsense. Because um, <laughs> obviously, you know, we have to cover the spread. We get seven yeah. days to cover. We have to cater to all tastes. So, you know, I have cool. to figure... I have to figure that one-seventh of our audience have my sensibilities. Like, one-seventh. And if you don't, that's that's a night you can take off. That's okay. We'll Mm. come back on Tuesday night, maybe. 11.15 on BBC Two for something entirely different. It's Colette, a potential Oscar contender starring Keira Knightley, but don't hold that against it, and Dominic West. Do you remember this one a few years ago? wait. I do, because what's Kira Knightley doing? Oh, wait, she's doing another period drama. <laughs> wait, but this time she plays Colette, who is a woman who ghostwrites for her husband, because in that period of time, you couldn't be a woman and write. And she writes this very famous uh, and much-loved, I think it's French, uh, French novel called Claudine. Isn't it? Yes. And yes. A series of them, in fact. It becomes like a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. But, and of so, course, her husband taking credit for it, much in the style of Big Eyes, the Tim Burton movie with Christoph. Yeah. Hall. Yeah. Is, um, is Dominic ex- West, and there's hmm. it's Dominic West, and there's not a French accent between them. So it's <laughs> it's one of those things. If it is set in France, I just remember it's not being it's not being with a French accent. Lord, we could imagine if Kira tried to do that. We need more output. Well, you could get another writer. You pay them with what? I'm not even making a thousand this month. I've got three hundred from the Echo, four twenty-five from the latest vamp novel, and just 
250 from the music reviews. It doesn't even cover the outgoings. How can we spend so much money? The mortgage, Matilde, restaurants. You always pick up the bill, Willie, no matter how many people join us. It's expected of me. And the races and the casino. What do you want me to do? Live like a monk or a peasant? No, I'm just saying that we could economise. You. You could write. What? Those stories you told me of Saint-Sauveur last year. My school stories? Yes, that could be Willie's next novel. Well, try it anyway, but try now. Start immediately. Aim for four hours at a time. The wolves are at the door! I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? It, it, it's strange how this is set in, like, the 19th century, and yet it still somehow involves an unpaid writer being told, produce more content! I mean, it's amazing how little times have changed. Um, let's talk now about uh, Wednesday night. Though this is, again, one, one more for that seventh, I think. This is Doomsday. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, this one aged startlingly well. Uh, this uh, was written and directed by Neil Marshall. I think this was his third biggie. I think this follows on from Dog Soldiers, The Descent, and then Doomsday. So this comes from, I think it's 2008. It stars Rona Mitra. Um, I'm trying to think who else you've got. Bob Hoskins is in there, the late great. Bob Hoskins is in there. Malcolm McDowell as well. Uh, Adrian Lester from Hustle. I think he was starring on Hustle at the time. And the idea is, okay, that <laughs> Britain was besieged by a pandemic. Something called the Reaper strain. And what they did was they managed to quarantine Scotland behind a wall. And then one day, Years later, the virus turns up in London. So Rona Mitra is a sort of badass black ops lady, lady fatale kind of type. You know, the the rogue, take no prisoners. She wears you know knee high boots and and that and, and that's that exact black vest that they all wear. You know, in these movies. You know, the the Ripley standard issue and uh, the the Linda Hamilton special. And she is tasked with leading a team into the walled off kingdom that used to be Scotland to find out if anybody's still alive and how how they have genetically survived and if they can be used to produce a cure. It's exactly as ludicrous as it sounds. It's also exactly as awesome as it sounds. There's so much stuff that's ahead of its time in here, particularly if you're a big fan of Fury Road. Because the third mm. act of this is insanely in line with what would become Fury Road, like a, a, a cut-price cut version of Fury Road in Scotland with a Bentley, if you can imagine such a thing. It's it's really good fun. I, I have a great time with it every time I see it. I revisit it every couple of years, and it, it holds up. It's still good fun. Very John Carpenter, this one. This is very okay. much like an Escape from New York type thing. Wild Ride, uh, Wednesday night, 10.40 on the Horror Channel. It's called Doomsday absolutely worth seeing um one last one then bex i know you've seen this it's 90, oh. 97 98 i think most of us remember it for the chris tucker performance but uh, tell us not about the fourth element but about the fifth oh i oh gosh i i have watched this so many times it's it's one of the best sci-fi movies out there and mm. it's got bruce willis in it you mentioned chris tucker it's so bonk gary oldman <laughs> it's just bonkers yeah. Ian Holm, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And, you know, iconically, Mila, Mila jo Jovovich is, um, you know, with her bright red hair, is yes. just incredible oh, in straps. this. And, it's, it's the, and it's the, the straps. straps. The, the outfit yeah. that's made entirely of bandages, um, but yeah. somehow managed to cover next to nothing. Um, phenomenal. I mean, who doesn't Phenomenal film. Element? It's, it's oh one of those goodness. that you could only... Oh, you could only have asked a Frenchman in the mid-90s to have made this movie because it's absolute insanity. It is another world realised on a scale matched perhaps only by something like Blade Runner or, in recent years, Blade Runner 2049 and Dune. See if you can spot the commonalities mm. in these films, by the way. Uh, but it, of course, involves uh, uh, Corbin Dallas, taxi driver played by uh, Bruce Willis, who happens to be an ex-Special Forces type soldier. <laughs> Classic. Dragged against his will on a mission to save the universe from mysterious malevolent force using the titular fifth element played by Milosevic and whose name, as you'll quickly establish, is Lilu Dallas. I was so afraid I wasn't going to make this flight, so I sent uh, David here yeah. to come and pick up my uh, boarding but, pass. Um, but, but now uh, David has to go. Thank you. Bye. I am Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. 
Lila and Multipass. You know this Multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. <laughs> Lilu Dallas, Multipass. We all love that. We've all, we all love that. That's the bit we all remember from Mila Jovovich in that movie as well. You remember her diving into the roof of the cab and you remember her saying Lilu Dallas, Multipass. Multipass, but, yeah. Uh, oh, and a uh, shout out for the first four minutes, I think, of uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets whilst we're shouting out other cool sci-fi movies that are kind of like this. Uh, the Fifth Element, 10pm on Five Star next Thursday night. It's literally out of this world. It's got the coolest alien opera sequence of any movie ever, mm-hmm. I think, to this day, still. And in a role that was apparently written for Prince, a very Prince-like Chris Tucker. Fifth Element, check it out. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're taking you through the big screen, the small screen, and now it's time for everything in between. We're taking you through all of our top streaming DVD and Blu-ray offerings for you. Kicking off with one that is dropping today. It makes you think about that throwback and, oh, if only it had... uh, Zac Efron in it too. It's got 17 again and it's available on Netflix as of today. That's exciting. I, I, I think I enjoyed this. I remember it briefly. I remember this being kind of Zac Efron's big breakout solo venture, like away from, mm. from High School Musical because I think he was he was associated at the time with being that sort of squeaky clean kind of High School Musical kid and then uh, 17 again came along. I think there was one of the High School Musical sequels after this, possibly. Might be yeah. the third one comes after this. But this was him sort of breaking away from that and going it on his own with his own vehicles. And it did show a different side of him, especially as far as his, his comedic work goes because he does make for a surprisingly convincing young Matthew Perry in mm. this. This, this, this kind of is kind of a fitting addition to put on Netflix the same day as the Adam project actually and yeah. I do suspect that might be yeah I suspect that might be part of the counter of, of the alternative programming like this has been added as something that you can recommend in line with the Adam project so if you're a fan of uh, fan of both you're gonna you're in for a good day um I don't particularly remember it I can't remember who played Matthew Perry's wife, Matthew Perry slash Zacharyns. Is it Leslie Mann? I feel like it's Leslie Mann. It plays, feels plays like it would wife. be Leslie Mann, but yeah, then I'm thinking, aren't matter. you thinking of like, uh, maybe? <laughs> Am I thinking of every? Well, yeah, I was just thinking anything that like that. Yeah. Uh, um, so I'm just having uh, a quick look, but. It is Leslie Mann. It is Leslie Mann. It is, You're Les- right. it is actually Leslie. <laughs> I thought. I thought that was that was yeah. a stab in the dark. But it turns out a pretty e- a, an educated guess than that one. Um, so also on streaming from today, this is one I will never turn down the chance to name drop or play that clip for. It is on Netflix from today. It is none other than the great Hail Caesar. Tell your line exactly as I'm about to, just as I'm about to do. Sure. Okay. With the tutorial so simple. Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twer? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the would the detours so simple? Watch my mouth. Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Keep your head still. Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? I'm trying to say that, Mr. Lawrence. Lawrence. I thought. A minute ago, it was Lorraine. No, we can use Christian names, my good dear boy. Lawrence is fine, just as I call you, Herbie. Okay. So, would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Trippingly. Would the detour so simple? Trippingly. (laughs) It's just one of my favourite moments in any movie ever. It's the perfect moment at the centre of this absolutely madcap 50s Hollywood set romp, which, again, is kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in these supposedly Mm. disconnected stories that are sort of tangentially uh, linked. Heck of an all-star cast in this one. Again, you could kind of do this one with first names. It's like uh, George and Jonah. Ralph. Rafe. Rafe. (laughs) And I was say Ralph. Even, actually, you could even potentially do this with Alden, which is really disturbing because there are no other Aldens. Scarlet. And I think Josh, you could possibly. You, Josh, you might not George, get away with Josh. Hmm. George, you would. Scarlet, Tilda, yeah. Channing, Francis, yes. Jonah. Yep. <laughs> I think we're there. See, um, yeah, yeah. You know you've made it when you reach one name status. When you when you can market a movie as Bullock and Tatum, as they are with the Lost City at the moment, you know, you could you consider yourself having made it. Um, so yeah. also on also out today, we've got two that are out today on Disney Plus. 
Uh, interesting and very different choices, both in the comedy field, though. Uh, the first one stars Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. It is Man Up from a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I uh, kind of do. I remember had interviewing Lake stealing, Bell. And... Yeah, scene-stealing yeah. Ashlyn B as her sister. Hmm. Or is it Sharon Horgan? I think it was Sharon Horgan scene stealing as her sister. I think it was Sharon Horgan. Um, as she uh, she has a, a blind date sort of go catastrophically wrong and decides to run with it. And uh, it was quite likeable. I remember Simon Pegg hmm. being surprisingly likeable. Also out on Disney Plus today is Mindhorn. Very, very different movie. Do you remember Mindhorn, Bex? No, I remember the name, and I'm trying to think to myself. She says furiously looking it up. No. This starred might... Julian Barrett as a, a washed-up oh, typecast do... actor from the 80s. He played an 80s TV detective, Mindhorn. I do remember this, yes. Yeah, and he, he gets, like, involved in an actual murder case on the Isle of... Uh, is it the Isle of Man? It's, it's whichever one it takes to make Kermode instantly go nuts. You know you know that the island that he's obsessed with? Is, is it the Isle of Wight, the Isle of Man? I can never remember. But there's there's one Richard of the Thorncroft. islands. I, I just yeah, that's the one. Yes, Richard Thorncroft is Mindhorn. I remember thinking that this was actually funnier than I thought it was going to be, yep. and it was actually really good. And he's isn't Julian Barrett the guy that does um, Toast? Yeah, uh, no, that's uh, Matt Berry. Matt Berry. Ah, okay. Yes. Matt, Matt Berry, or, or me with some weight on and, and, need, and in need of a haircut, apparently, because that was what I got called all through uni. It was either that, it was either Douglas from the IT crowd or Michael McIntyre, which is why I think, specifically I, think... I have the facial hair and weight and haircuts <laughs> I do now to avoid that. I think anyone that watched that will have seen Mind, Mindhorn and who probably, like us, grew up in the 80s will be scoffing at it from a nostalgic mm. point of view. Because if you watch things like Knight Rider yes. or things like that, you know, you'll definitely get the humour in this of what they're harping back to. Um, that kind of like real 80s leather jacket, you know, yeah. like rolled synth. up sleeves. <laughs> yeah, rolled up sleeves, <laughs> yeah. popped collar kind of thing. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll definitely rewatch that. It's good fun. Um, what else have we got? We've got It Chapter Two is available from Sunday. Uh, that's coming out on Netflix. Look, I didn't mind this as a as a follow up to to the it's brilliant the It. Yeah, it's not as good no. as the first one, but it couldn't be because the, the whole thing of the first one was like, I don't think any of us expected the first one to be as good as it was. So the second yeah. was always going to disappoint, especially when they felt the need to... Well, I mean, not even that. I think their hands were kind of tied by the source material because there's only so much you can do with the second half of it, if we're being honest. Mm. Um, but there's still some effective scares in there, and that, that Pennywise performance is still awesome. Plus, yeah. I, I can't really neg on a movie that stars Bill Hader as much as I would, as much <laughs> I would love to. It's, it's, it's like being mean to a puppy. Bill Hader's just too talented. Anyway, speaking of puppies... Monday on DVD and Blu-ray. We got a clip for this one. Um, one that turned out to be way better than it had any business being. Like, this was actually fun. I watched this with Miriam and the kids, and we had a blast. It's mm. the big screen outing for Clifford, the big red dog, and his bizarrely accented human friend, Jack Whitehall. Are you going to examine him? Yes, I am, because I'm, I'm a veterinarian. That's what I do. I, I examine animals. Mm. Um, Take a look inside your mouth there, buddy. Oh, easy. You want to maybe tell him? Oh, yeah. Clifford. Boy. Good job there, buddy. All right, let me take a look there. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. That's the large teeth on the big red dog. Yeah, so why don't we get you on the scale here, bud? But slowly. It's just a platinum edition of the X-9000. Sorry about that. No problem. I'm just going to write... Heavy. Sorry, don't mistake Jack Whitehall and, and Keenan Thompson, by the way, because one yeah. is the longest serving member in SNL history and the other one is <laughs> terrible. Um, but <laughs> enough about that. Yeah. Um, let's move on then to... Uh, oh, I've been looking forward to being able to talk to you about this one, Bex, because you've, you've seen a version of this movie. You've yes, seen the French the English... version. But, well, this is the French version. Oh, I've seen... Yeah, oh, I've seen I, the French version. Oh, I, I, I thought when we'd seen... when we oh, have, have you watched it since we saw The Upside? Because I remember reviewing The Upside with you and you hadn't seen it at that time, I don't think. No, well, no, no. I, I'd see, I saw this when it came out. Ah. 
Well, yeah. Omar Sy and is it Francois Clouzet? I think mm, as I the think so. as the mismatched friends. Most people know this now as the as the upside, the English language remake starring Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. This is the original version, which is word mm. for word the same in most places. But Omar Sy and Francois Clouzet just just have just brilliant. Oh, chemistry. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's a really moving, wonderful film, and it's out on Netflix on Tuesday. I can't recommend this one. It's also called Is It Intouchable? sometimes I think it's down as the, mm. the untouchable yeah I think yeah I think that is and I think you know for anyone that sort of struggles with foreign language films you know there are a few that really immerse you so much through the dialogue and the the chemistry and you know like Parasite like you forget that you're watching a subtitled yeah. movie and you get so involved in it I actually thought this was the same it was a really mm. beautiful surprise for me to watch this um, gorgeous gorgeous performances um, you know full of laughter but also very emotional at the same yeah. time really really beautiful film but we've got to end the week on just as good oh. a high I think and well I mean it's exactly as good a high I think I would say they're about as good as each other The Untouchables and our final offering which is of course coming to Disney Plus on Wednesday so you may remember this as having only been in cinemas about a month ago it's mm. Guillermo del Toro's latest Nightmare Alley starring the likes of Bradley Cooper Kate Blanchett Tony Collette Ron Perlman Willem Dafoe the list goes on Kate and Mara. on Kate Mara, Kate Mara, one of the Maras. Um, oh, it's Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara. It, Sorry, I, can, Rooney Mara. I, I, I never know which, so I just never hedge my bets. I just say both. Um, it's, kind of, it's like my Olsons. Just say them all, and you're guaranteed <laughs> to hit the target once. Um, and it's, of course, Guillermo del Toro goes to the circus and then has a stab at doing the prestige. What's not to love? I'll tell you what, you got a safe? I do. You should keep this for me. I don't want Ma I know about it anyway. Why don't you keep it for a few days? If you change your mind, we'll split a 50-50. And if not, I'll keep it. You barely know me. Oh, I know you well. Now, I know I, know I often say I have an issue around pace. But this is slow but perfectly formed. Yes, is what I would say. This is this just works. Yeah, that's a very astute way of of describing this. What I think, so paced, but it, it earns its pacing. I think because yes. it's delivering, it's delivering the it's, goods as it goes. Oh, it entertains you. It's brooding. It mixes like oh that kind of gothic circus feel to it that I, I love like this is pure escapism and yeah even like when you meet Kate Blanchett's character in her office the art deco like Oof. everything is so it's so artistic guys just go watch it it's it's amazing um, mm -hmm. such a fantastic fantastic movie we don't want to spoil it for you but it's just it's brooding and it's beautiful um, so that rounds us up for another week which is exciting next week we've got a few new releases for you we've got Deep Water we got the yes. we got followers. We we have we've also got X, which is a new horror movie by Ty West, starring is it Mia Goth? Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I saw the trailer for this. It was like on before a YouTube video. I was like, oh my god, that looks insane! I can't wait. Uh, much like I did when I saw the long-awaited first trailer for the unbearable weight of massive talent. By the way, this past week, prior to uh, a screening of our final film for next week, The Phantom of the Open, the uh, Maurice uh, Flickcroft biopic starring Mark Rylance, the bad boy of. British golfing finally gets a biopic from none other than Craig Roberts, the director of. Or not, yeah, what was Craig Roberts? Starred in Submarine. Starred Starred in Submarine. Submarine. I was going to say the director yeah. of Submarine. That's Richard Iowardi. Let's say from Submarine. Um, I, I'm. I was. Uh, I was. <laughs> I was filled with things to say about this one. I can't wait to share them with you next week, Bex. You're in for a whale of a time. But for now, I've been Van Connor, and I've been Bex Perfect, and we shall return. <laughs>